When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So I don't think it's any secret that when it comes to making decisions that will influence large moves in the market, such as the stock market, the bond market, precious metals, or making decisions that will influence the overall economy, uh, what what I decide and, and what I would imagine most of my viewers decide matters very little in the whole scheme of things. That ultimately, it's those that are very wealthy and those that have a fair bit of power in in various corporations and whatnot. It's the decisions that they make and that ultimately will influence which way markets head and which way the economy heads. And so the reason I bring this up is because of a recent article originally uh, published by Bloomberg titled Some of the World's Richest Brace for a Major Stock Sell-Off. And then followed up by uh, none other than Zero Hedge titled World's Ultra Rich Preparing for Market Crash, UBS warns. And so basically, UBS Wealth Management did a survey of over 3,400 high net wealth uh, individuals. And I don't want to say the consensus, but the trend that they found from the survey is an overall bearish outlook on the U.S. stock market, global uh, stock market economy, as well as a more bearish positioning. 25% of them, of these 3,400 plus uh, respondents, said they sold risk assets such as equities, commodities, high-yield bonds, and have instead transitioned into cash. 80% of the respondents expect volatility to increase through 2020. 55% believe a market plunge could occur before quarter four of 2020, uh, which is also the uh, 2020 election here in the United States. 60% of respondents expected to to, to raise cash levels in the coming quarters, largely from from sale of, of stocks, from equities. And so what's really interesting about this is, is again, the, the influence that these wealthy individuals have over the markets. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Let's say 100% of these wealthy individuals add to their, to their net cash position, sell stocks. Does that mean the stock market is going to go down? No, because there's always a greater fool out there. And oftentimes, it's, it's not these wealthy individuals that are the greater fools. I mean, they wouldn't probably be where they are. Some of them maybe, but, but many of them wouldn't be where they are if they weren't savvy investors. And so let's say they all sell uh, a percentage of their... If they sell all their stocks, the stock market wouldn't have much of a chance. But if they sold some of them, that can be bought up by investment firms, by you know various uh, funds and whatnot, uh, pensions, hedge funds, uh, mutual funds, whatever. Uh, and then, of course, just investors that, that don't 
have as much wealth, right? Uh, lower wealth investors, though. I mean, let's let's be clear. Uh, the the bottom eighty percent in terms of income in the United States actually own very little stock. But but there is some potential for them to to buy, you know, some amount of that, right? Pick up the slack, if you will, but only for a certain amount of time. And if the wealthy are are getting out of risk assets which I, I think it's important to, to dis, make a distinction between just stocks and risk assets because I think there's a lot of other risk assets that are maybe even more interesting to watch than the stock market, such as such as high-yield credit, uh, and especially in the corporate markets, um, and, and, and various other assets that, that are even more, in more of a bubble than stock markets. Um, if they're going to sell, oftentimes that does it does precede some sort of a significant slowdown, a significant drop in the stock market. And so I found it very interesting that a very good percentage of them, 55%, the majority, believe a market plunge could occur before quarter four of 2020. And by could, I'm, I'm going to guess that that's a fair bit of, of certainty or, or at least attaching a high probability because obviously, you know, 100% of them should be responding that, there's a possibility it happens in the next year or so, but 55% plus. Now, what's interesting about this that Zero Hedge points out is that 70% of the respondents are optimistic through 2030. So we have a pullback or a crash, whatever, but that for the next 10 years, uh, investors are, are pretty optimistic about you know long-term returns. In fact, they, they have a, a chart here, 69% for, for the United States are optimistic. 83% for Latin America, 65 for Asia, uh, 72 for uh, like Africa, Middle East, whatnot, 67% for uh, Switzerland. So, so fairly positive still. But what Zero Hedge points out also is, is some insight from uh, CIO of, of Prevel Global. This is a guy by the name of Teddy Veli talking about how Right now, the, the moves in the S&P 500, the U.S. stock market really as a whole, is mirroring moves that we saw back in the late 80s, early 90s in the Japanese stock market, their stock exchange, the Nikkei, uh, which ultimately was a, was a blow-off top, uh, a significant bear market. But, but what is uh, especially um, unique about what Japanese stocks have been doing since late 80s, early 90s, is that they never actually found those those highs again. They still have yet to notch new all-time highs. Meaning, is if, if you were, were, let's say, in the Japanese stock market, if you're a Japanese uh, investor, and, and you're kind of subscribing to the buy and hold strategy, your investment is still negative if you've been holding since 1990. I mean, if you bought in maybe the early 90s, you've, you, you have a fair bit of gains. But, but as a whole, it's one massive bear market. Entire decades lost. Entire decades of basically zero return or negative return. Which I think is is maybe the most interesting part about some of the insight that, that Zero Hedge is offering here. Because the first takeaway from this video, bearish positioning 
by the wealthy is significant and and something we should pay attention to. But not at all surprising. Not at all surprising. I think many of us get, get the sense that a recession, uh, a downturn in the stock market, all of that is is very close. And, and, and maybe some of this more optimistic outlook over the last couple of weeks is, is mostly just based on short-term factors such as, as the trade deal, which, which still hasn't been worked out. But, but the trade deal or or you know some of those other topics this uh, maybe maybe the idea that somehow the fed has saved the day but the second takeaway that i want to drive home here is that the us stock market is the furthest thing possible from a sure thing it's always treated that way it's hammered into our brains at a relative <clears throat> sorry relatively young age you know basically as soon as we hit the workforce our first 401k our first you know, um, opportunity to invest in the stock market, we're, we're hammered with this idea that buy and hold is, is always a good idea with the U.S. stock market because it always goes up until it doesn't. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of people that have done well on that strategy, continue to do well today because the stock market is around all-time highs, there's a lot of people that are pushing that idea in, in a very well-intentioned way. Maybe they've lost money on risky investments or they've just done well with a buy and hold. But you have to understand what it was that kept the U.S. stock market on that buy and hold uh, path for so long. Uh, it's a lot of factors that ultimately are changing. For a long time, it was a relatively low debt um, environment. More recently, the last 10, maybe even 20 years, it's been more of a credit or a debt growth environment and, and liquidity fueled bull market in the last 10 years that has continued to push the stock market up. Neither of those things are sustainable at all. The U.S. is already nearing a tipping point in terms of debt, not just the U.S. national debt, but the corporate debt, the consumer debt. Another major factor has been uh, the demographics picture here in the United States, which hasn't been like crazy good for for a while, you know, in the last 10, 20 years. But demographics move very slowly. But what we're seeing right now is is an overall aging population, which, let's face it, is a very expensive population in terms of healthcare costs and all that. But also, fewer and fewer people um, entering the workforce. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the U.S. demographics picture, especially with immigration from south of the border or from elsewhere, isn't as bad as a country like South Korea or Japan. But it's still not great. It's still aging. The birth rate is still fairly low. And another important thing to, to understand about this idea of buy and hold, as well as the individuals that are pushing that idea is that a lot of their models are going back several, several decades to a, a, a time when the world was was vastly different than what it is right now, right? Sometimes you'll even see them go as far back as, as the post-World War II era, right? But, but back then, we're talking about the U.S. being one of the only industrialized nations coming out of the war unscathed. We're talking about a post-Bretton uh, Woods agreement or, or you know, right after the agreement was signed, uh, post Bretton Woods uh, world until ultimately the U.S. went off the gold standard. 
Um, but then even after we went off the gold standard, you know, with the exception of the 70s and the inflation we faced then, uh, you have several decades where where the U.S. and the U.S. dollar in many ways uh, w- did their best to, to stave off the inevitable. And that is that's a collapse of, of the underlying fiat currency and the loss of, of confidence in, in, in the issuer of that currency, which ultimately was, is what happens to every fiat currency. It just takes a fair bit of time, right? It doesn't happen overnight all the time. If, if you know, if, if we move off the gold standard in the 70s, uh, it, it's, the, the currency is not going to collapse tomorrow. I wish it worked that way, but but it doesn't, right? Many countries have fiat currencies these days. So these are all large, long-term trends which have assisted in in drawing capital and, and investments and whatnot towards the United States, drawing interest, um, and, and has ultimately pushed the economy up and pushed the stock market up for many decades. But for the last 10 years, it's been mostly a debt and liquidity field move up, which is not sustainable. And those long-term trends have long faded away or reversed. And so I think it's very good to be skeptical of that idea of buy and hold that the stock market in the U.S. is always going to go up because it's simply not true. It's the furthest thing from a sure thing. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today and God bless. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 